Welcome, friends, to Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter. We bring you the greatest female voices in the music industry. From the artists, songwriters, and producers, to managers and executives, and all the women who make the music industry what it is today. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Crazy Women Country. I'm Donna, and today I am here with Jackie Marushka. How are you doing? I am wonderful, wonderful, happy, happy, and grateful to be here. Well, I'm happy that you're here. It's been my pleasure to have you today. I know we've been trying to get together for a while, so definitely excited. It's about time. Absolutely. So the weather here in Florida is as hot and sticky and humid and gross as usual. How, and I know we're going through heat everywhere. So how is it in the Nashville area there? You know what? It's been a little bit cooler. I mean, we've been in the hundreds. So like 95 sounds like (laughs) springtime. Um, But it's, you know, it's, it's, I have to be thankful for the humidity because it's great for your skin. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it just forces me to get up earlier, (laughs) to get out of bed, to enjoy the cool before the heat sets in. But um, here, you know, while it's getting a little cooler, we're much like you where, it's just hot and sticky, like right around 11 a.m. to about six. It's like, oh my goodness, what is happening? So looking forward to fall weather. That must have been all those people that were asking me to send some warm weather up during the middle of the winter season. So I finally sent it up. I just sent it up in summer. Sorry. Is it your fault? Yeah, apparently. (laughs) I, I retract that request from everybody who has asked you. I retract it. Send it back. So we love to start off with the most difficult question. Who is Jackie Marushka? Oh my goodness. I'm supposed to answer that. I am a, there's a line, I'm an enigma wrapped in mystery. (laughs) I forget that it's from a comedy of some sort. Um, uh, Jackie Marushka, uh, I was born in New Mexico. Well, actually, I was born in in Arlington, Texas, raised in New Mexico. And um, I've got a younger sister. My parents are Jack and Evelyn. They named me after blending their names together, Jack and Evelyn, the back part of hers. Mm -hmm. And um, we grew up in I grew up in a little farming town. I say we, me and my family Mm -hmm. and um, my grandfather, Grandpa Mike. I call him and my grandma, Sylvia, they had the, um, these are my mother's parents. They had the only little uh, general store and fueling station. It was a Texaco station in our area, like for a hundred miles. So I grew up around apple trees, apricot trees, cherry trees. Uh, in the fall, we had alfalfa, pears and apples were in the fall where the apricots and cherries are in the spring. Um, and I got to learn all kinds of fun life lessons from working at my grandma and grandpa's store since I was just a little kid. Um, 
So fast forward, moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, for school at the University of New Mexico, got several jobs after school to pay for my student loans. And one of them was Pecos Films um, that I I got after, um, after I graduated college. So then they moved to Nashville and said, you know what, why reinvent the wheel? Let's bring her with us. So I, I came with them. I was making like $12,000 a year. I think I had like six credit cards <laughs> just to make ends meet. But I knew that if I came here and I tried it, that at least I will know, I will know. I will know that I tried. And if I went home, I tried. And if I succeeded, then yay, what's next? So, um, so that's, that's how, where I'm from my little family and how I got here to Nashville. I live here now, have my own little business, Mariska media. Um, and I get to do fun stuff like, um, put record campaigns together, press and promotion campaigns together. I get to do a ton of writing, which I love. And I get to be a guest on podcasts like yours. Well, I am so glad because like I said, we've talked quite a few times and, you know, you're such a beautiful person and that's, you know, that is you naturally. And that is such an inspiration that there are not more people like you that are just so awesome and sweet and kind. And it's just beautiful to have people like you. Well, the feeling is mutual. I see all the good stuff that you're doing and you're, you're creating a platform for tons of young artists. You have started a festival this past year that's spotlighting women and you're really creating opportunities for artists who may not have a chance. So my hat's off to you for all that you're doing. And and I, I didn't obviously get to go to your festival, but I saw all the great stuff you did. You had great stages. You had all of the vendors and the food trucks and there was such good energy there. So just High five to you. And are you going to do that again this year? Uh, we are looking into it. Yes, we started the procedures and uh, getting our sponsors and things like that. And uh, hopefully we can uh, move closer to a, a bigger town because it was kind of out in the country area. Um, so, yeah, it would be easier with uh, obviously artists coming in and, and things like that. They don't have to try to find uh, Ubers or whatever and lifts and yeah. try to get to where they need to be and things like that and try to make it easier on everyone and, and you know, be it all inclusive in one area. So, Mm -hmm. well, I think it'll be great. And every year that you do something, you get to learn from what could have been different from the year before. And, you know, how I view you is that you just keep going, you refine, you um, make things just 100% better the next time around. And I can't wait to see what, you know, the next several years look like. And I'm here to support. So go you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that greatly. So, so obviously that's kind of, now you transitioned into music. Do you want to tell everyone how you got more into the music area from the Um, film? Well, working in, uh, in film with Pecos Films, Pecos Films was a uh, company created by a producer and director team. They're these uh, buddies that um, were, they met in Dallas in the ad agency world. 
And they wanted to kind of get out of that corporate structure and, and have a little bit more freedom and fun in their work. So they decided to do uh, commercials, TV commercials, uh, music videos, and documentaries. And they had the two principals were Brian Bateman and Michael Merriman. And then they had a roster of producers and directors that they were able to kind of hire out or find work for. And, um, and the business just kept getting bigger and bigger. They were based in Albuquerque at the time. So they moved from Dallas to Albuquerque. And at, at one point they just said, look, we're getting most of our work in Nashville with the music video business. Let's, let's throw our hats in hundred percent and move out there and, and make a commitment to it. So they did. And really that put me right in the middle of record labels and, and really just what the next projects were and, and being able to tie the visual to the lyric and what that looks like. But in that 30, 60 and 90 second, sometimes three minute window for one of your, your music videos. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd also do teasers leading up to the music videos. Um, But that was, that was a really great opportunity um, learning how all of those pre when you do a music video, you, there's a lot to it. So you take, you, you oftentimes you'll get a call for a treatment from a record label. So there's always somebody at a record label that manages, they call it the creative director. So they manage photo shoots, video shoots, all the things that tie the image with the music. There's a person who actually does that. So they, that person will do a call out for treatments and a treatment is basically your opportunity as a music video director to submit your idea, like a tiny little mini screenplay. And then they, the creative director gets a whole bunch of these in and then they decide which is the best idea. Um, So once they pick you, let's just say they pick your treatment then you work directly with that creative director and the artist to refine any rough edges in the concept and in the, the, the treatment itself, the idea. And then you cast for maybe there's a, a love interest role or maybe it's just a big party crowd or maybe they call them um, group vocals. Like if there's a big, you know, big scene, like a big crowd, maybe it's a, a show um opportunity like they always cast um front and like the first three rows I say always not always but they used to cast the first several rows with like pretty people (laughs) so (laughs) so they would have all that front row imaging look you know just like models all of them guys girls older younger whatever and everything is very very set so, you know, if there are moments in the video, that's in the treatment. So if the, if the artist is on stage reaching for the hand of a fan or signing something, that is all in the treatment. Or if it is more of a, a concept video, like um, I'm just trying to think of, uh, there's a lot of performance videos. There are a lot of interpretive videos. Um, we just had a really um, great video that CMT gave us a world premiere on. Uh, the group is called One the Duo, and it is Tikitha and Prana Supreme, and they're a mother daughter duo in country. 
and they did a very fashion forward um, sort of um, a beautiful music video directed by Ford Fairchild, who's a renowned photographer in Nashville. And their treatment was, you know, a little bit of attitude to match the song, but very fashion forward, which reflected kind of the fun and spirit of the artists. Um, And the hook is something about, um, you know, just don't leave me stuck in the middle. So they really, um, they really played up that, that chorus moment, those, those uh, segments in the song that refined the, the title or that pointed to a title. And so it was floral and fashion and sort of, um, I'm trying to think it was, it looked like a period piece and it was just, everybody loved it. And it really helped drive the the song, which was out at digital service providers, DSPs Mm -hmm. um, since June 17th, this, this, I'm sorry. Yeah. Since June 17th. So we had a few weeks to grow the song. And then the video came out and gave it its second wave. Um, but so they call for treatments to go back to the beginning of the process. They call for treatments. They cast. We have wardrobe fittings, i.e. the fashion. What's it all going to look like? And then they have um, a pre-production day where all the camera blocking is done. And then they have the shoot day. Normally it starts really early um, and then it ends I mean, normally they're 12 hour shoot days, depending on the intricacy of the video. So um, from Pecos Films, I learned so much um, about the music business, um, about marketing, about what does the consumer want? What do we think they want versus what's really going to help connect them to the artist? Um, So yeah, that, that was my first step into the music business was being able to take the video background and and then learn about how the music business in Nashville actually worked. So um I think I think that answered your question. Absolutely. I'm not yes. sure I kind of yes. was all over the place with that. <laughs> no, that was perfect. I love that because that is, that is how you got into the music part of it. If you think of like that's exactly because because some some people listening might be like, well how do you go from films to music? Like and that was that's a beautiful transition. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a nice bridge and it was um, neat because it taught me very, it baby stepped me into how the actual record label system worked. So the music video portion is just one tiny portion. I mean, you have one song they're doing a music video on, but back when I was working in that at that company, records had like 10 or 12 songs on them Mm -hmm. and each record had at least three to five songs that were hits. So you would be working a record for a really long time because you'd, you'd put a a song out, pair it with a video, and then you'd push as a record label, you would push that song as close to number one as it could go. And then, you know, the, the team's on their own decided, okay, well, this is as far as it's going to go. It peaked. Let's move on to the next one. Let's start prepping the next one. Or, Hey, we hit number one. Let's keep pressing for multiple weeks at number one. So it's a lot of ebb and flow. It is really getting to know your audience, what they care about, um, how to connect with them and how to really uh, establish 
somewhat of a relationship so that when you go on tour as an artist, they want to come out and see you because they feel like they're your tribe, like they're part of, of your story. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I just, that fascinated me the most. Absolutely. I mean, that is just, you're so right. And that is just a little piece of what does go on in. And I think today it has changed so much because people are willing to release singles more so than albums because the gravitas of, of kind of what you described has it is transitioned to that single period. Well, let's go with one, push it and do another single. And then when those actually, it seems like they do it in reverse now, like they're doing the singles and pushing them and then they make the album after it's, And that's what I've been seeing from art, newer artists coming in now. And, and, and maybe it's just the change in trends and things like that, but it's so cool to see how things have changed. There's an artist named Macklemore, and you probably remember him from Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, huge, 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 like um, in the, one of the bigger independent artists that broke back about like seven or eight years ago. And Macklemore is, I mean, he had, he had made a record and then put that record out and started making a second record just as Macklemore. Mm-hmm. And COVID hit. So between his dropping or his completing his record, uh, the newest one, it's taken him three years. His single, I think it's called Chant. I'll have to double check and make sure. But um, it's it's really a great song. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of his art. He and Eminem are kind of like the two of the they have some similarities to them. Um, not super similar, but, um, he just reminds me a lot of Eminem, but, um, he has sort of a, um, a neat take on, on the transition between pre COVID and now, Mm -hmm. and even in those three years, what's happened from a traditional release of an album and how you would promote an album. Really. It's a lot about algorithms. It's a lot about, um, which playlists pick you up and his, his biggest red flag was, or some kind of flag was, you know what? I, I hope that algorithms don't keep the art from breaking through. So more and more, I find that it's important for an artist to, to sort of take a look at who they're speaking to, who their audience is, and really connect the dots with those, those audiences. Um, an artist doesn't get there on their own. They are supported by fans. And the the artists that I, I see doing, doing really, really well are the ones that continually play to their to their fans. I'm like, what is it that you guys want to hear? Um, there are some artists you, you see kind of fall off. And it's because they they want to try and experiment. And everybody should be able to do whatever artistic experimentation they want. But, you know, sometimes the fans don't follow that, that creative direction. Um, they don't go away. They're just like, oh, well, I, I kind of want them to do this thing that I really like. So, you know, it's, it's all kind of an ebb and flow and, and really understanding who your people are and how do you serve them best. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me, who are some of the women that you love and that have inspired you uh, in music? 
Oh, I thought you were going to say women in general. Well, oh, women in general. Okay. So yeah, well, go start there. Start with women in general. Answer, answer that about, um, about women in general. Cause I had a thought, first of all, it's my mom. My mom is just amazing. Um, my mom started as a, a school teacher mm-hmm. and literally put herself through school, like scholarships. If her school system was offering, you know, an opportunity to take an extra class or earn extra hours uh, so that it would, you know, if you had a certain certification, you might get a bump in pay. She, she went and she did all that. And I remember being a little kid, maybe like eight or nine. And my, my sister is like five years younger than I am. And my mom would wake us up we'd get in the station wagon and we'd drive three hours at five in the morning for her to go to the local university. So in the summer during the summer school, cause she's teaching nine months out of the year and during the other three, yeah, other three, <laughs> um, she would work on, on getting, you know, furthering her education so she could continue to grow. So she went from an elementary school educator to retiring as superintendent. So my mom taught me that work ethic and she got that from my grandpa. Those are the two I always point to entrepreneurial spirit, giving, caring, loving, wanting to serve those around them. And um, so she's my hero. And then uh, there's some women here in Nashville um, that would make actually great, great guests for you. Um, One is Debbie Carroll. She was the head of Music Cares for years and years. And she recently went over to onsite, which she cares for artists. She's not in like the music production distribution promotion world, but she takes care of the artists when they've, you know, had a loss of some sort, maybe they're struggling with dependency, um, you know, any kind of dependency issues. Um, so she really rallies for them and she's a great net. She's like, like she nurtures them and uh, she opened, she helps guide them to, to seeking the help that they need so that they can get back to in a healthy way, being the creatives that they are. And she's going to be um, hosting a panel this year at Americana on mental health. And um I just, I just, I can't sing her praises enough. Um, There are just, there's so, so many, so many great women that um, uh, Anastasia Brown is another one. She single-handedly brought um, the sink world to Nashville before, if you wanted to get a sink placed, which is like your song in a TV show, your song in a commercial, you'd have to go to New York or LA. Well, she bridged that to Nashville. She, she pioneered that. Um, she's been a manager. She managed, uh, co-managed Sting, uh, for years. She discovered Keith Urban and like, she's just, and, and she does this in humility. Like she wouldn't like sit here and read you her resume. She's just <laughs> not that way. But another one is Renee Bell. Um, another just super humble, amazing woman. Uh, she was in, um, in ANR, which stands for artists and repertoire. So they help pull together the songs who, who, uh, who are the best writers to work with this artist. So she finds the artists based on their raw talent and then helps cultivate, um, the songs that they may be able to, uh, cut or, 
or artists that they could write with. So, um, so to, you know, continue to develop the artist's uh, sound and style and um, not changing them just like here, let, let's, let's bring things. It's like trying on clothes. Mm -hmm. You have to uh, try on a lot of stuff before, you know, you really kind of galvanize your sound, your look, all of that. Um, And again, working at a label, she never forced anything on anybody. She was just like, Hey, let's, let's figure out what, what works for you and, and make that, um, make it so that you win, you know, we're going to bring you the best of all the things and pick and choose and see what best fits you, um, what you love, what you groove with. And, um, when people are in their element and they feel safe and they feel set up well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the best place to be creative. So those are, are, um, just, just a few. (laughs) <laughs> there's so many more, but those, those have, those women have really spoken into my life. Um, and, you know, some of the artists, um, we talked about Brandy Clark and I was so, so uh, it's just a blessing. She's such a great person. Um, Brandy Clark, her first, um, commercial record was called 12 stories and, um, Dave Brainerd produced that it was an, uh, independent record. And I, I got, I got to work that record. It was awesome. We did the Letterman show. We did Imus. We did a whole bunch of stuff. And that sort of set the tone for her to go in and get um, a record deal at Warner Brothers. So I was, I was really proud of that, um, of getting to work with her. Um, and she's still a friend, love her to pieces. Um, Angelina Presley is another one. You'll know her from Pistol Annie's. Um, she is Holler Annie and literally is part of this, the, uh, I can't remember if she's the McCoy or the Hatfields, but her, her family is one of the two. I think it's the McCoys, but there's, that's literally a thing. Yeah. It's for real. That's so cool. <laughs> We're going to have to get her on here now to talk about that for sure. Yes. She's fantastic. I think she's, she's working on some really cool stuff coming up. So Ashley Ray is another one. Ashley Ray, if you haven't heard of her, please, please Google her. Um, she's got this really cool homespun voice and her, her words are just poetry set to music. It's that's her, that's who she is. She's a a gem. Um, we had talked earlier off camera about sister Sadie, who's one of the, you know, more renowned, all female, um, uh, blue grass, blue grass groups. And yes. so worth putting on your radar. Um, they've been covered by NPR and just a ton of other great outlets because they're just really proficient. They're, they're excellent at what they do. Um, so keep them on your radar. Garrison star, uh, is another one. She's based in LA. I know I'm reading off a bunch of stuff, but I want that <laughs> your listeners would fill their ears with all these great artists. So I'll quickly go through. No, it's okay. These, these are awesome artists and I'm so glad you're sharing them because I try to tell people that, you know, every artist you hear, every recommendation you hear, go check it out because, yeah. you know, that's how we find new music, especially with women. Cause we're, we're no offense. Women are not heavily played on radio and we know this it's common knowledge. So it's not like it's some news, you know, but to find the great women and stuff, we have to search. So yes, yeah. please. Um, so one, the duo, I mentioned them earlier. Um, Lee Nash, she, you would know Lee Nash as the lead singer for six pence, none the richer, but 
She had a, a country record out that came out on 30 Tigers right around 2015. And she had the tide of volume one. And you know what volume one means is that there's wink, wink, a volume two possibly on the way. Absolutely. Um, so definitely keep your ears peeled for Miss Lee Nash. Um, and then I, I really want to point to you. Um, um, there's two artists and they're more in the Latin American uh, persuasion, but not doing all Spanish music. And one is Gina Chavez. Please look her up. She is a fun, sassy. She has got such a really great sort of um, blend of a lot of like real Latin American beats. So she's not just up there singing <laughs> She's bringing all the musical beats and like the the Afro um, percussion ish sort of all those styles like she really brings it all together seamlessly. And she's based in Austin, but she's touring this this fall. So I think she actually goes out next week and is touring through October. Um, So keep an eye out for her. Lisa Morales is another artist. Lisa Morales is one of the. artist who is a pioneer. She worked a lot with Hayes, uh, Hayes Carl. She's written a ton. Well, Hayes loved her mind and her thought process so much. He asked her to produce his very first record. That's a big deal. Um, so a lot of women are out there doing their own production, producing for other artists, um, writing, you know, um, Lisa Morales had David Garza produce this last record of hers. It comes out in August at the end of August. She'll be out at Americana also. Um, but again, just some Spanish, some English, but the flavors, if you look at music as just a giant, beautiful buffet of sounds that just fill your, your ears, mind and heart with color and, and, um, and life, all the artists that I, I went through that happen to be female are, are part of that. Um, there's a, a really amazing songwriter named Nicole Witt. She and Jamie Floyd and Sarah Darling and uh, Michael Logan um, started during COVID um, a group called the 615 Collective and 615 is spelled out if you're looking for them. And it was a way of sort of shoring each other up. So they go out as a collective, but if one artist has gig over here, well, the collective will still tour, but it, it gives it gives sort of a safety net and it really has infused community. And that was something unique that, um, that Nicole, I've been working with Nicole. So she's, she's really shared a lot about, you know, they celebrate each other's successes. They shore each other up, they tour together. Um, but it really is a, a nice community of artistry. And, and I love seeing that because um, we need more of that, like cheering each other on. There's not, there's enough for everyone. Let's get everything out there. And and to your point earlier about um, about women not getting played at radio, I want to recommend Marissa Marissa Moss's book, Her Country. She gives a deep dive into um, the history of women and country. And um, everybody, you know, a lot of people have their opinions on the why. Um, but I, I, one thing you, you hear, well, if, if women had good music, then they'd be on the radio. And then you hear, well, if the people making decisions would open the door, then, well, I, I see, I see 
all the sides to that, but Marissa, her book, y'all order her book, go to Amazon, Marissa Moss, her country. It's, it's, it's a great deep dive into all of that. Um, so I, I just wanted to throw that out there. No, it's and- a phenomenal book. I actually read it myself and we were talking about it with another artist, uh, Roberta Lee. I had her on a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about that and, you know, it's just, it's such a great book, well-written and, and from the perspective of, of kind of what it takes to, to kind of make it and, and where everyone comes from kind of a thing. It gives everyone an inside look that you may not have the inside look and you've never been in the industry at all, or, or you may not know anyone in the industry or hear anything. And it kind of gives that perspective. And it's, it's nice to see those different perspectives. Yeah. Um, have her on. You got to have her on your show. I, we'll have to get her on. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I, I love seeing, um, I love seeing people lift other people up, whether it's women lifting women or like, um, established artists lifting up baby artists. I think we, we leave a legacy of what we give back and that's what I love seeing. I, I, I promised myself because when I moved to town, there were a lot of women who were in the business that had, worked really hard to get up to a place that they were and I couldn't get a call back from them. And it was sort of a hoarder mentality. Like this is mine. You need to work for it. Like I did, and I'm not going to help you, but yet all the men were like golfing with each other and helping each other out. And I was thinking maybe I was just calling the wrong women. Um, but, but I, I did have two women call me back. And I'll never forget them. Let me point to them right now. Rhonda Forlaw and Anita Mandel. Those two ladies, when I first moved to town, were like life rafts for me because they didn't do anything for me. They didn't do the work for me, but they allowed me an opportunity to ask them questions, to listen into their pitches. Now, Rhonda was... uh, publicist, the head of PR at Arista back when Alan Jackson, Brooks and Dunn, oh my gosh, they, they were the it label. Um, uh, and, and it was just like, I could not believe that I got to sit in her office. I would go to her office after work, my work, my Pecos films days, like at five o'clock, I drive over, park in front of their building, knock, she'd let me in and I would do tear sheets. So back in the day before digital came along before email, cause yes, that old, but <laughs> no, I'm that well established. Yes, yes. We're, we're, we are that well established. <laughs> I made that comment the other day. It's almost like, no, 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 you're not old. You're, you're, yeah. It's, it's like, yes. And like seasoned, seasoned. seasoned um, yes. So, so I would sit in the, in the conference room adjacent to her office. And I asked her like, can I listen to your pitches? Cause she would talk to LA media, you know, while it was, you know, four o'clock LA time. And we were like five or six o'clock, it would be three or four o'clock in LA. And she would be making pitches and I would learn so much like the nuances and what she shared and how she shared it. And it was, it was just mind blowing. This is stuff you don't learn in school. Um, you learn that it's out there, but the art of it, it's kind of like watching Bob Ross paint his little trees. You, you can yeah. look at it, try to paint a tree, but Rhonda was like the Bob Ross of pitching. Like she just knew where to put the paint and how to, anyway, she's amazing. So I would do back in the day, they had press kits and they were a paper folder 
and you'd have an eight by 10, a giant, we called them glossies and they'd have a bio on paper. They had press clippings and you would organize them front. Uh, the front page would be the front piece would be like the most recent clip. And you always would try to highlight the super cool quotes. So that when you sent this out with an album, you'd have uh, like hundreds of people you'd put these press kits together for and you'd stick them in envelopes, address them, and then you'd take them to the mail room or you would drive them to a place that would ship. So it was like, you know, uh, mail, um, the, the postage would be, you know, you'd have like 300 or sometimes 500, 600 of these big, you know, folders and a CD in a bubble mailer. And they would give you a certain, like a, a certain bulk rate or something like that. So you'd have to drive them there. And, and then, and then you'd wait, you'd mail them off and you'd wait for like a week for them <laughs> to get there. And then you start calling. So I would help Rhonda with her press clippings. I would help, you know, organize the press kits. Um, but what I got to learn while I was doing all that sort of, you know, sort of admin work mm-hmm. was hearing her pitch and hearing all the great stuff that she was able to do from national TV to local tour press to all the things. And every pitch was different. Um, Anita Mandel, she was a publicist over at, um, it used to be Liberty Records and Liberty was then bought by Capital. And, uh, and so Anita was, um, she was head of that PR department and she gave me the same opportunity. So I didn't ever go to her office and do what I was able to do with Rhonda, but I would have like an every other week call with Anita and I was doing a newsletter for Pecos Films as just to try to, you know, grow awareness for their little company. And she would, she would walk me through it. She would edit it for me. She'd say, okay, now she wouldn't, she wouldn't actually edit it for me. She would go through line by line, which reminded me of my mom, which is probably why I, I love Anita so much. Um, she would go line by line and go now, okay, could you, how could you have said this better? How could you have, are there any words here that you don't actually need? Like, let's think about that. And I would, she would make me think about it. And she really helped me refine my writing a ton. So, um, yeah, they're, they're incredible. And, uh, there's, there's one more artist and then one more women in woman in leadership that I'd like to kind of mention here while we're, while we're on this, but Stacy Griesbach, G-R-I-E-S-B-A-C-H, uh, and it's S-T-A-C-I. She is, um, she's a former Sony films executive and she's from Madison, Wisconsin. And she had this love of jazz. So when she decided this was, a couple years pre-COVID that she was going to chase her dream. So she left Sony uh, and she did her very first jazz record, which she loves Patsy Cline. Patsy Cline was in her parents' car her entire childhood. And she basically grew up with Patsy Cline. So she did uh, Patsy Cline hits in jazz stylings. And these are all like, top level 
jazz players and her voice is impeccable. She did that. She did Shania Twain and she just recently did George Jones. So please look her up. Um, what I love so much about how Stacy approached um, her love of jazz and her love of country is it forces you to listen with a different ear. And it really does make you appreciate the songwriting um, and, and just the, the structure of the song. It just, it kind of lands a little bit differently, but it's just as beautiful. Um, when she toured with the Patsy Cline record to jazz clubs, she had people discovering Patsy Cline who only had ever listened to jazz. So go Stacy for being an ambassador for country music through her jazz channels. Um, and then the, the lady I wanted to point to who I, I just want to grow up and be like her is uh, Terry Nelson Carpenter. Um, she runs a company called Real Music Works, um, R-E-E-L-M-U-Z-I-K-W-E-R-K-S. She, she is an admin company, a publishing house, and she also helps artists take their music and pitch to get Syncs, S-Y-N-C-H-S. So that is uh, TV commercials, you know, film placement, game, gaming placements. Um, and what I love so much about her is she's an artist advocate. She, her theme is create, protect, collect. So on the front end, if you're a songwriter, she has you make sure when you, before you leave any writing session, because these days you can write with two people all the way to like eight people can contribute to a song. Well, who are their publishers? Who, what are the splits? What's that's all called metadata. And as you submit that to Spotify for streaming, you have to have every writer and all their publishing information uh, set up properly so that everybody gets paid. So she, she makes sure that, that that information and, and she's an advocate. She constantly waves the flag of, Hey guys, make sure you, before you leave any writing session, you have this, 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 and this, or else somebody's not going to get paid and you're going to have to go and find it later. You're just gonna. So, so there's the create. And then the protect is what, what are your copyrights? Who's, who do you have to ask permission for if you're going to, you know, send this out to get a sync? Like, what does that look like? And then also, if you get a sync placement in Europe, any one of those countries, those percentages can flip. You may be getting 80% here, but it flips when you go to Europe and it could blow, blow up in Europe. You'd get 20%. Make sure you have all of your copyrights and all of your um your uh, information of ownership listed properly and that you know that she, she always says that, you know, how you're getting paid, when you're getting paid and who is paying you. And honestly, that kind of goes for every job, I think. So I, I just, I think the world of her too. So tons, tons of stuff. And well, you know, I think Cindy Mabe is another one, uh, she's over at universal and boy, oh boy, that lady has, she's, she's got a, a golden touch and really knows music and can, she works so well with artists um, that, you know, if you're looking 
to uh, have a hero in the label world. She's, she's definitely one of the ones and she really does champion. She doesn't just champion women. She champions everyone. Like you just want to be on her team because she's, she's always like, okay, here's this, this, and this, how are we going to go? It's very clear. She has um, a vision and she's, she's really a cheerleader for her team. So, and the artist. So such, such good energy, such great people. Um, it's, it's just a, a great time to be in this business. Absolutely. I think that, that just depicted great leadership from, I mean, regardless of whatever she was doing right there, it did, you know, you just depicted what great leadership should be in any industry, having that clear vision and collaborative. I mean, oh. yeah, it's great stuff. Absolutely. Well, if you have some of these other ladies on here to, to do some podcasts. So, Heck yeah. We'll get it. Yeah. We'll get that all lined up for you. I'm sure. Yes. And even some round table events and, and have some chats about how, you know, to make changes and how, you know, for other artists coming up and things like that. Cause I think it's always, uh, everything changes constantly. There's no, that is the only constant in life is everything changes. And, you know, I think going with the changes learning is, is it. That's really mm-hmm. the basics of life is always being willing to open mind and learn. Yeah. Learning is good. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's good stuff. Um, when I was reading off that list in my mind, um, there's, I thought of you and your event, your, um, I'm gonna call it a festival. I'm just going to speak it. Um, your festival that will be big and awesome for years to come. Um, Risha Rogers is over at WME and also another amazing uh, leader at one of the biggest um, booking agencies mm-hmm. out there. So um, yeah, I, I, I think that um, there are so many great, great, great uh, gentlemen. And I say gentlemen, because there are as much as there's been a lot of negative stuff. I mean, I've, I've, I've only ever had like one ick moment with, within the system. And I quickly, you know, you know, there's always, there's always fail safes. You just have to be aware and really take care of yourself and your surroundings. Um, but for the most part, a lot of supportive guys, um, I can mention yeah. a couple that, uh, you know, have really at, at the festival, like you were saying, you know, there were some guys that came up to me that were in the bands and different things like that. And they said, this is really great because, you know, women don't always get the spotlight and that's, and that's what we're trying to do is we're, we're not trying to exclude men. And that's yep. the key thing here is we're trying to give women the platform to grow more so mm-hmm. because sometimes it's harder for women and, and not to say it's not hard for men too. It's hard for both, but sometimes women are set with double standards and that's in every industry, whether it's music management, law enforcement, law, whatever, you know, a lot of times we were given different, you know, that double standards of women that, you know, we have to work twice as hard because that's what's been set for us, the expectations. Well, and that's not just opinion that there's numbers on that. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to voice like an opinion, but y'all can look at the numbers. It just yeah. is. My mom <laughs> worked for much less <laughs> than a male counterpart, but you know what? She never complained. She just said, you know what? I'm going to do my job. I'm going to come here and be excellent. And that's, you know, Terry Nelson Carpenter does the same thing. And she's like her, her dad was her champion. And she's like, 
what's healing? She just comes in and she does her thing. She's clear. She, she's excellent. And a lot of, you know, so many women are like that. And mm-hmm. um, so I think it, you know, whatever, whatever um, man, woman, yeah. you, you, you have to just go in there and be excellent and just keep going. Um, and a lot of the tides are turning. And I think, you know, people like Marissa Moss um, and also just oh, there's uh, another woman. I keep coming up with these amazing people and I can't <laughs> believe I mentioned her before is Jenny Smythe. Um, she owns Gorilla Marketing is G-I-R-L-I-L-L-A. Yeah. It's not exclusive to women, but she is a digital marketing company. And it just happened to be that it was all women when she founded the company. So and on her team but they are amazing. So um, there's just, there are a lot of, I want, I I hear so much negative and I really want to point to the good because if we can see past this hump that we're in and we can be excellent and we can raise up those who also want to be excellent. I, I feel like we have the world in front of us to, to continue to grow into and continue to evolve and continue to make awesome. And when it comes to music, like that's universal. You yes. music like a smile and you can know the words or not know the words and be brought to tears by a song. And I'm here for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would you like to do some fun 20 crazy questions? <laughs> <laughs> now this is the scary part. Yes, let's go. <laughs> This is not scary. And I promise we won't get arrested yet. (laughs) I can't promise for the future, but at least right now today, no chance. Okay. Tell us what is your dance? Like nobody's watching song, the song that you absolutely have to dance to. Okay. Justin Timberlake's uh, can't stop the feeling. That is a great one. Yep. In your opinion, what is the perfect workout song? Oh, walking on sunshine. Oh, I think it's Katrina and the waves. I could be. Yeah. And I think that's, I think I got that because when I ran this half marathon earlier in the year, it was like at 180 beats per minute. So it helped me to keep my feet going. (laughs) So maybe it's not the perfect workout song, but, um, running song. (laughs) Yeah. It was the perfect running song for me because it kept me on point. And congratulations on your marathon. That is a, an achievement at any age. I mean, if you, you, it's physical body training and you must be in shape to do those. So it was, it was only a half marathon because oh. only half crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I don't know how they but do still, it. I'm, you still have to train to that level. You know, I mean, you have to train. It's a training. It is. It's it, any, like at any athlete or, or anything really. It's that training that you have to get. Yeah, it's just getting your, going back your, to excellence. You mm-hmm. got to keep trying, keep going. Yep, don't give up. It's don't okay to up. fail. Just get up again, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so tell us your top two favorite concerts that you've ever oh, been to. That I've ever been to. Oh, there's too many. Um, I think. I think that. Seeing, okay, don't laugh, but Iron Maiden. 
<laughs> I'm not laughing. I just would never expect it. Iron Maiden out of you. That's, Iron that's, Maiden. Yeah. Because I grew up listening to Iron Maiden and the double kick drums and the whole mm-hmm. thing like that was just insane. And then you two um, in Nevada and at Vanderbilt Stadium. So I'm going to count the that's the same tour. Yeah. But it's um, it was the one where they had that spaceship in the middle mm-hmm. of the field. And and that was just that was just mind blowing. I, I just what Bono has done um, for for worldwide uh, change and pointing to all the needs in Africa has really that was part of the reason I became a fan of theirs because their music wasn't just music it was music that had some meaning behind it um so and that's that's just like Jimmy Jimmy Wayne's music is the same lands the same it is um it's a story it's story and you can peel back the layers as superficially or as deeply as you'd like. And you will always find something new and interesting and inspiring there. So, so does that count for three? <laughs> I just no, rattle that, off. That's only, yeah, no, I think it's only two, you know, really. <laughs> oh, like tell us a few albums or artists um, that we have to listen to before we die. Oh my goodness. That's a good one. Um, probably uh, Redheaded Stranger, uh, Willie Nelson, because that's like the very first concept record that I was ever introduced to. Um, the first Judd's record also. And then any and all of, um, of the early Frank Sinatra's. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. And, and it's just because for me in this window of time, there's so much great music out there, but I think going back to hearing those records, it just would really, it just gives you another place, another frame of reference. Absolutely. It's beautiful. I, I agree with that. I mean, when I was little, my two favorite females at the time, were Dolly Parton and Leslie Gore. So you have oh. someone who is big in the sixties and obviously Dolly throughout, obviously, no. but you know, and she was 16 and Leslie Gore was 16 when she came out. So like when Leanne Rhymes came out, I was like, Oh, wow, this is really cool. Like it, it's, it is following like, you know, kind of like certain things are following different patterns and it's cool to yeah. see that sometimes. So, but yeah, I love the different perspective of music. So now that I know your first, your one of your favorite concerts was Iron Maiden. Do you have any guilty pleasure music? And if so, what is it? Like you know, Blondie. music that what? Blondie, Blondie? <laughs> all the Blondies, her entire catalog. Oh, that's, those are great songs. And Baby Shark, Baby Shark, Baby Shark. But you can't say that without it getting in people's heads. Yeah. So not to completely contaminate everyone's ear processing you get you just can't say baby shark without people going do, 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 do. <laughs> exactly baby shark <laughs> and, and we just had shark week recently so you know it all fits yeah. that's terrible too many sharks 
Well, that kind of leads into the next weird question. So hypothetically, hypothetically, if I came to you and said, I need to hide a dead body, do you know a good place? For the record, I'm nodding. (laughs) But as all good publicists, we keep that quiet. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, do you have a game plan for zombie apocalypse? Oh my goodness. Um, lots of uh, swords, lots of, um, what do they do? They, they don't like hatchets. They don't like machetes. Um, I think that's all I have. I think that's all I have. <laughs> Making sure we got a good stock of dog food in the house. That's my plan. I yeah. probably need to work on that, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone else has some really good elaborate plans. So I'm like, I'm just going to join you. Tell me whatever I need to do. I'm, I'm good. Maybe an electric fence would be a good idea. Well, this is a this is something I'm going to work on. Yeah, I'm going to work on this. Okay, electric fence. I like it. <laughs> oh. Tell us, what job do you think that you would be terrible at doing? I would probably be terrible at. I mean, I I don't like to project terrible. Because I, I, if I have to go and be the best pooper scooper out there, <laughs> I'm going to figure out a way to like make it great. Um, I probably would not be good at, um, engine repair on a Tesla. There's just too many parts, too many things. I, it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can change the oil on any vehicle that is from the seventies and back. Grandpa taught me how to do that. Uh, You're probably doing some of the newer ones. I I do my own. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, there you go. But it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Where do you recycle your oil? Uh, you go to like AutoZone or wherever and you they, you pay to recycle it or whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Hey, a, yeah. Come on. I, I love doing that. That's the one thing that, uh, yeah, that's like that moment of downtime of just remembering where you came from and just enjoying the moment and just. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hang on. I'm going to flip it on you here. Where, oh. Tell me how you grew up. Cause I want to know about this whole oil changing backside. Too. I got a Texaco station background. So did you also grow up in a, ba- in a gas station? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I did not. No. Um, I grew up, uh, my father was a steel worker and my mom uh, worked part-time stayed at home most of the time. Um, so she had a lot of health issues and things like that. So uh, she taught me how to appreciate life and the little moments in it and, and, and just be grateful for everything, even the hard times and things like that. And, uh, you know, I remember I just wanted to do like, my brother was a mechanic and he's much older than me. You know, my sister's much older than me. I'm like the baby that, you know, wasn't supposed to be born kind of a thing. You know, that's how young I am from them. And, uh, so it was so sweet that, uh, as I got older, I'm like, okay, why can't I change my own oil? Like, you know, so I was like, let's do it. Love that. And, I love you. You came from the, why can't I? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So basically anything that uh, you can think of, I believe you can do. And there's some way to do it somehow. 
Of course, I, I prefer that to be illegal things, nothing illegal, people. Uh, <laughs> I do not have a criminal not mind. anything illegal. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like jumpsuits, so. <laughs> orange or stripes, right? Right, right, yeah. No stripes, no orange. No. Oh. So tell us, even though I know the big mega millions money is gone, if you won the lottery, what's the first thing you would do? I would um, set my mom up for never having to be concerned about anything ever again. I would um, make uh, Jimmy's home for foster kids a reality. I would have a bunch of scholarships made for like set up and made um, for kids who, who just couldn't ever afford it. And um, I, I just like education, big deal for me, huge deal. Cause a lot of times you can't succeed because you don't know what you don't know. Yes. And it could be like Steve Harvey says it all the time. He's like, I don't have an education, but he was invested in and he was able to learn, you know, show up, do your best, show up, do your best, show up again, mm-hmm. have faith, you know, God will open those doors um, and I, I believe that whatever you're given, that's, that's just a pass through. Mm-hmm. It's not yours to hoard or hold. You appreciate it. You, you, you put it back out there and, um, you know, people give and they don't talk about it. And I, I, I love that. So I think that's, if I, if I won the bazillion mega million bazillion trillion thing, um, I, I probably, you probably would never know. You would probably just see little things happen. And I don't know. Hopefully I, you would never know. Well, that was so awesome. That was so awesome. I would like to congratulate though, if you did win. So you could tell me and, you know, <laughs> and, and maybe once in a while I'd let you buy lunch instead of, you know. No. <laughs> you know what? I would put up that electric fence for zombie apocalypse. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. No. So tell us, what's the last thing you read? Oh, let me tell you. It's called um, Melody Beatty's uh, Moral Language of Letting Go. It's kind of a devotional. And um, and I've been just in the spirit of gratitude because so much of life can happen at us. And, you know, it, it really all depends on how we react. What what is important is how we react. Stuff can happen to us all day long, but what are we going to, how are we going to respond to it? We're going to get mad because somebody cut us off. Okay. Well, that's just going to circulate bad energy. And yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun when someone's mean to you or somebody steals an idea or somebody, whatever, 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 but what's the lesson in it? What's the lesson and what can I choose to be grateful for? And it's funny because in this August 1st moment here, I'm going to just go go a little heavy on you here, but Melody Beatty, if you haven't read her, please look her up. Uh, it says every time she goes into uh, some, some things about like letting go and mm-hmm. like how to find your best you. And sometimes it just means like letting go of a lot of junk that is in your is in your swimming pool that you don't really need. Like, why are you entertaining that floaty when you don't really need the floaty? You need to be swimming laps. So 
she says, you know, every time I felt bad, this is a quote, every time I felt bad, I thanked God for how I felt. Every time I noticed how awful the house looked, I thanked God for the house exactly as it was. I thanked God for the current state of my finances. I thanked God for my lack of skills to repair and remodel the house. I deliberately forced gratitude in every detail of my life. Those areas that bothered me, those things I couldn't do anything about. Every evening, as I put my daughter to bed, I sat down in the same spot in the living room. Something began to happen subtly and invisibly. She didn't notice, she says at first, but she began keeping the house cleaner and neater. When people supply, then people, supplies, and skills began coming to her. Her mother offered to teach her how to repair a house and said they could do it for almost no money. So leaping into... I'm already living all the wonderful things that I'm hoping for. If you're going to, um, what I pulled out of this was if you're going to say, I wish, or when, if, or all those things, then you're coming from a place of I'm without, I'm in a spirit of lack. But if you come from a place of abundance, you know what? That's coming to me. You know what? That I might not have won the multi-millions, but God's going to provide for me and people have their God, their higher power, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, mine is God. Um, I point to that and I'm like, he's got me. I do not have a thing to worry about. He's got me. He's covering my family. When stuff happens, I'm like, Meh. it's a little gremlin over there. You go. <laughs> this is my note card. And I, I love llamas and yeah. it, it's, I love it because it's the no drama llama. Yeah. Which also is part of, you know, where am I putting my energy? Am I going to put my energy into making this a happy day? Or am I going to just be complaining about everything in the world and then be stuck the same place today, tomorrow as I was today? Just wham, 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 womp, womp. No, life is awesome. There's so much good. There's sunshine. Like we have it so good here. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then how can, how can we, push that forward? How can we help others? How can we bring other people up? Um, which, you know, you're doing through this podcast, you're doing through your, your festival, you're doing like all of that. And I, that's why I love so much that we're getting to do this because we, I I feel that same energy with you. And I just think that the more we, we put that out there, um, the better the world will become just little baby steps at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a long answer for this book. No, it was beautiful. I love that because yes, I, um, and you know what I love even more is the fact that, you know, religion wise, people are always quick to, to, to not, not to point religion, but to say my God and this and that. And, 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 you know, it's so great to see. And that's one thing I was raised with. And and I think you were too, that yes, you can hold religion. You can share religion. You can say God bless and let it be whatever God they believe in or higher power or whatever. And it's not meant in a negative way. It is a positive thing. It is no judgment and just. Yeah. Well, I know, I know that um, like, this is, this is me. Is it backwards on your screen? It is clear for anyone that obviously, obviously you're not going to see the video on this. So uh, <laughs> it says a coffee mug. the coffee mug says this girl loves Jesus. And that's, that's me. And, and because of, of how I view his love and how I feel his love, I am called to love. And 
that's where I am. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, do you prefer boots or heels? Boots. <laughs> heels. Oh my gosh. They shorten your calf muscle. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Good to know. Good to all those years of me working and wearing heels. I'm like, huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I wore, there was a conference in Florida. It was called the CBA conference. And back when I worked at Sony, I was in the Christian music division. And one of my artists was a guy named Michael W. Smith. And he had just put out a record and we were walking through this conference, um, conference hallway. And that carpet looks the same everywhere. It's like this loud squiggly patterned carpet, like this carpet, I'll never forget, it was purple and like a deep pink. And I'm talking to a producer as we're walking to the room where we're going to have this interview. And that carpet just bled together. I'm in heels. I fell down the stairs. <laughs> not because I didn't see him and I couldn't quite catch myself. I didn't see him, but the heels did not help. So um, I just got right up. I kept my conversation going. And the lady was like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, but here's the talking points. Here's what we need to go over. She goes, your, your leg is bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> that dang heel had caught from my right foot, had caught my left knee. I didn't even feel it because I was so in the pitch moment. So um, yeah, that's, that's a good heel story for you. You could end up stabbing yourself in the knee. <laughs> So they're good for self-defense, bad for your legs. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So who would you like to play you in a movie about your life? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's see. Ariana Grande. Oh, that is a great one. I love it. That's a great one for sure. She just, I, I just feel like she could be my little sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? She is so nice and kind and sweet. She probably could. She's Aww. just, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So this one's all serious now. Oh, Where's no. Waldo? He's right behind you. Oh no. You, you know, this is just, I'm telling you, this is being like a horror story here. Someone else said that to me. I'm like, seriously, like, I'm going to start looking behind me now. Waldo <laughs> is actually hiding behind the clown that's behind you. The clown that's behind me. I think I'm not scared of clowns, although I'm starting to feel a little killer clown from outer space or it moments or, you know. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Let's not get into pushing into nightmare mode here. Okay, okay. I won't push into nightmare mode. So no horror <laughs> movies for you. Horror movies are out. Oh my or gosh. Movies? No, but I am the girl that will watch all the, the, um, forensic files. Yeah. I'll watch forensic files, go right to sleep, but you put on it or any other kind of clown movie. And I'm yeah. up for days, unable to close my eyes. Cause there's obviously a clown under my bed. Mm, yes. Yes. That's, that's where they like to stay. Don't they? <laughs> oh, that, so you probably watch the id channel too you know i love the, the the creative show names wives with knives fear thy neighbor i mean they're, they're creative aren't they yeah i i actually got rid of my actual cable so i do the streaming on my tv so i don't know if i have id anymore 
I, I'm I just saying creative. <laughs> oh. So tell me, in your opinion, what's the best thing since sliced bread? The steamer. Um, I got one of these steamers. It's like you put, it's like, it looks like kind of a crock pot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You fill it with water, you stack trays on top of it and you put your food in it. You forget about it. Next thing you know, you've got steamed, um, sweet potatoes, steamed carrots. Oh my gosh. I'm getting hungry now. But that, because it's convenient and it, it's like so cool to be able to steam healthy food because normally that's what used to keep me from eating a lot of healthy food is oh, I got to cut the potatoes up and I got, you know, all that steamed spinach, steamed asparagus. Oh, it's so good. And see, my biggest weakness is, you know, I would eat more French fries, although I don't eat fried foods, but we have an air fryer now. So it is the coolest thing to me. Yeah. I can put French fries in there and I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So being based on the, the steamer there, would you rather cook or order in? It depends. It just depends. I love to cook. Um, but if I've had a busy work day, I, I like just to kind of leave it at my desk and just kind of have a change of scenery. So it really isn't about the food so much as it is about um, stepping away and giving a mental, kind mm -hmm. of a mental wash a little bit. But I love to cook and I'm learning how to bake. Baking uh, and cooking, completely different. I admire people who can bake because that's an art. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I will tell you, I've had fun fail on angel food cake. We were trying to make it in the little, like little mini ones. Hysterical. They were perfect. They were in there. They're ready to go. I put them in the oven. I get them out. They're on these little cute wrappers. I'm like, okay, put some cream on the top, put cream in the middle. So I go and I take one out and I'm like, it's all cream on the bottom. I'm like, wait, it rose up that there was no cake on the bottom. I'm like, oh man. So it's okay. New kind of angel food cake. It's cream with the cake. There you go. Yeah. You know what? It's another opportunity to try again. Oh, absolutely. It tasted good regardless. Yeah. Heck yeah. So in your opinion, what is the worst pizza topping? Anchovies. I do like, um, I like the anchovy flavor in a Caesar salad, but anchovies on a pizza mm. is just to me a little creepy. <laughs> They're just too like yeah. too real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, so the debate earlier in the year was pineapple yay or nay, and it was a hard yes or a hard no. But now it's kind of yeah, yeah, hard yes, hard yes, woo. <laughs> It's kind of like having, having dessert with your pizza and I'm all about efficiency. So there we go. Good. We're having pizza and dessert <laughs> at the same time. I love it. We yeah. could just do the chocolate pizza with like strawberries and pineapple and, you know, make it just That's too decadent for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's another level of pizza. It's dessert pizza. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so what do you wish would magically clean itself? The house, the car? Um, 
little girl's uh, harness when she rolls in dead animal at the oh. park. Yes, I can relate. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's, real. it's yes. so so bad. Oh yes, yes. Any any pets that roll in things? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you love them. You love them. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. How can you not? You're so adorable. Oh gosh. Ooh. Adele, it's something on your bucket list. Oh, Switzerland. Ooh, nice. Yeah. There's um, a friend of mine, her name is Austin and she, um, she used to work at my business manager's office and she would be like everywhere. I would see these pictures on her Instagram feed and I'm like, went to take my taxes in one day earlier this year. And I said, like, when do you have time? She's been to Austria. She's been to the Amazon rainforest. Like she's done all the things. And I said, okay, like, what's the like safest, most direct way in Europe or a place in Europe you would go? Like just if you had a week and she said, Interlaken, Switzerland. And basically it's a little town you fly into, I forget where you fly into. It's one of the two (laughs) big airports in Switzerland and you just take a train two hours and you're there. They speak English. They take our currency or it's an easy exchange and it's the most beautiful hiking. These are Matterhorn level glacier Mm. sort of just the peaks are gorgeous. The water is emerald. It's, it's, And then you can continue going up to Lucerne, um, all of these, like the hills are alive with the sound of music. That's where you're going. So bucket list for sure. And then. I don't know. We heard some background thing there. I don't know. (laughs) My Siri just went bananas. Oh, apparently Siri has a bucket list too. (laughs) Not, not cohesive with ours. (laughs) Siri can go to Switzerland if she is is uh, not interrupting Siri. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, but th- this is the part of life. That's what makes life interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so right. if you could be a person or a position, president, CEO, whatever. Obviously, we know you're CEO of your own company, but CEO somewhere else, whatever. Who or what position would you want to be for the day and why? Um, uh, probably, okay. This, there's two things. First of all, it's in my, it's in my fantasy head. And that would be like the person who runs world peace yes, or the chairman of that committee, chairwoman, mm-hmm. chairperson, person. <laughs> um, of the committee that, you know, they're always talking about the Illuminati. <laughs> like I've watched too many, the Dan, Dan Brown book. Yeah. Made Dan Brown books. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, he, I'll watch anything with, uh, with Tom Hanks in it. It's just like, he's such a great actor, but, um, she, yeah. So whoever is in control of that, because I would fix world peace and world hunger and, you know, in a swoop, like let's make, let's fix it. Um, but I would also want to be the head of the world bank, uh, because I would want to do an audit in the day that I was, (laughs) I was in charge. I think some things need to be audited a lot more things in the world. 
<laughs> oh gosh. So, do you have any words of wisdom you live by? If so, what are they? For work, it's plan the work, work the plan. And um and really the the other is just kind of life and that is like leave things better than you found them. I always say never give up, never give up, never give up. And that's just, that's just what we all should be doing. But my grandpa, Mike used to always say, just leave things better than you found them. And that really does apply to, to everything. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're going to leave things better than you found them, then you're going to bring other people with you to a better place. You're going to have a more, uh, a more lasting legacy that is good um so yeah I'm that person who cleans the hotel room before I check out of the hotel room. <laughs> and then I leave a tip so you know I would recommend that because the people that clean the rooms they don't get tips and you're supposed to so absolutely. Absolutely. yeah absolutely yeah it has been so awesome to have you on today well I want to hear your words of wisdom Oh, I follow so many. I, um, yeah, I just try to do everything that I can. I mean, there are so many words of wisdom that I could share, um, you know, and like you said, leave, leave the world better. I mean, that is a great one to begin with, obviously leave better than when you left it. Um, I just try to live every day the best I can and, uh, you know, be the better person that I can today, you know, cause I can't control anything in life. Obviously. I mean, you can pretend to control, right. But realistically, you can only try to be a better person than you were today, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's it. That's 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 pretty much the basics of you know. It's just the same thing. Do better, be better. You know, that's just that simple ma- mantra, if you will. And uh, yeah. And- well, I um I am excited about all you're doing, and when I um looked up um crazy women of country, the definition I went to was that of um, obsessed and energetic and like charging the hill. And I just thought, you know what, that's who she is. That's who you are. And all good things, all good things. So thank you for having me. And thank you for um, using your platform to lift other people up and, um, let's work on getting some of these other folks on your podcast. Absolutely. We will must do that. Absolutely. And thank you friends for joining us for another episode and make sure you go check out all the recommendations uh, that Jackie has given you for music. Um, as well as, uh, go check out her website. Uh, the link will be in the description below. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode of Crazy Women Country, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Be sure to click the subscribe button for new interviews weekly. And thank you, friends, for joining us today on Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter.